Hey guys, it's Russell Venosi, back for another episode of the Main Street Preps podcast. We've reached the midway point of the fall sports season, and that means there's plenty to talk about and a lot of content to read at MainStreetPreps.com. This week's podcast guest is Springfield football coach Dustin Wilson. His team is undefeated heading into a big challenge at Marshall County this Friday. Coach Wilson and I talked about that game, a few of his best players, and the Region 5-4A standings. After that, I give my predictions for 10 football games like usual. Let's dive in. We are joined today by Springfield football coach Dustin Wilson. Coach, thanks for joining the show today. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. You guys had somewhat of a Cinderella run to the 4A state championship last year. Now, maybe more people should have seen that coming, but uh, just you guys had lost so many pieces from the year before. It was a little bit of a surprise, but this year it doesn't seem like you're catching anybody by surprise. Um, how is your team handling the high expectations? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we didn't really have time to think about it, just to be honest with you. You know, when you're sitting in the third week of July and you don't even know if you're going to get to play or not, so you don't have time to talk about you know, the Murphy Fair or the Robertson County Connection preview or any of that stuff. None of us out. Nobody knew anything. So uh, they say, hey, y'all can play. Uh, you got to get uh, used to the heat. Well, we're just going full speed ahead and uh, trying to prepare for Wilson Central the best we can. And uh, I think uh, the boys' response to that in response to the way we showed last year uh, showed the coaching staff a little bit, maybe a – internally how they were going to react this year and uh man just to be honest with you we take things such week by week here we are in the fifth game of the year everything's going well and we're just still fighting COVID expectations and trying to keep that away from us and uh preparing for another opponent and keeping kids healthy like you would in a normal football season and preparing for an incredible opponent this week in Marshall County to the back end of that scheduling that I did a couple of years ago. Now we get to go travel and get on the bus. And some of the boys have heard some of the chatter this week about two ranked teams and all that. But besides that, I think we do a pretty good job of keeping all that away from the kids when we're at practice. I know they read and stay on them phones and do all that stuff and all the huddle and uh, all the articles. And you guys do a good job of covering us. But you know, we're in practice, it's, it's down to business. So it, it's been fun. It always is fun. Even though with COVID, we can finally exhale on Friday nights. And I've been using 653 a lot this year. You know, if we can ever make it to about 653 when we're scheduled to run out every Friday night, just go out there and have fun and make sure your opponent realizes the brand and where we're at. And you alluded to this earlier, but how strange has this first month of the season been? I know, that, like you said, there wasn't a whole lot of buildup, just given COVID-19 and everything, and then all of a sudden games are played, and, and here we are. Oh, you, you can't put words on it, really. I mean, if you try to describe it, anybody that's not went through it won't believe you. It's just wild from checking the kids in every day to doing what you can to make sure the seniors got a football season to, you know, the financial aspect of it, not making any money and the program with the gates and concessions being closed and daily. I'm big on the locker room, enjoying yourself and friendships and the boys' story and what they did in high school. And we got to run them out of the locker room every day because if it's been 10 minutes and we've been sitting around too long on this whole COVID world thing, we got to get outside. So it's, you really can't describe it. It's been a great year for somebody to make some money off a documentary type of story or something because if they wouldn't have went through this in their lifetime, they wouldn't believe it was true. And one of those seniors playing his, playing his last year is uh, dual-threat quarterback Kevontez Hudson. I know he's having just a tremendous season so far. He's got 18 total touchdowns. 
more than a thousand yards of total offense. If he keeps up this pace, I mean, do you think he should be considered for Mr. Football at some point? Uh, that's for all those coaches to worry about when we get to that point. I know he's worried about beating Marshall County and helping his team win. And if the awards come, they just come. But, you know, you got to talk about his leadership and uh, his resiliency and just being a kind of an underdog, if you will, being so small in stature. But uh, his heart makes up for it. His, his head's in the right place. and uh, He's just a fine leader. So if he were to get in those conversations. Uh, I know there's a lot of fine high school kids out there. I almost say it's hard to believe it. You'll find a better kid and a harder working kid than five, six, Bob Hudson. And one aspect of his game that seems to be quite a bit better this year is his passing. And it's something that came along last year, kind of as the season went along, um, and he got more comfortable back there. But he's completed 33 of his 50 passes for a little over 600 yards. Uh, what's been the key to him improving with, with the throwing aspect of things? I think it's just all confidence. I mean, he's a human being just like we are. He just may not be as old as us, but, you know, you do something one time, it works well for you. You enjoy doing it the second time. So, you know, some late experience last year in the playoffs. Uh, it just had so happened that Gay's back with him. It was someone won in the state championship game, his last game in 19, or just, just confidence, just seeing it happen, knowing it can happen, believing in it, and just liking doing it again. So I think it's just all confidence. I saw that Cavantes is also playing some defense for you guys. Um, is the thinking there just, hey, we want to get one of our best players on the field as much as possible? Oh, yeah, you got to play your best 11. And I know some coaches would disagree with that and say you got a platoon, you won't. You don't need those guys playing the whole game, but when you go to practice and you do conditioning drills, you don't set out, you know, your second-best guys and say, hey, hold this rep off and the first 11 on offense run, and then the next time you do it, you don't set the everybody but the top 11 out on defense and say, hey, y'all run, and then y'all wait on them to get done. Uh, you're always conditioning, so we just condition for it and prepare to play our kids and prepare for them to get ready for a, a football game and – Yes, he's one of the better kids uh, that play football. And it don't matter if it's a returning or playing corner or safety or, you know, outside linebacker, uh, second round of the playoffs at home. And in 18, uh, he puts Jackson Southside away with a pick six. So it's not like it's some breaking news that he's a good football player. I don't know, he's just playing where we ask him to play and trying to do a good job at it. And another guy that's a part of that best 11 for you guys that, that plays both ways is Gabe Kelly, and you, you mentioned him earlier. Uh, he's got four touchdown grabs and four interceptions. How important is, is Gabe to what you guys are able to do? You know, defensively, it's, it's real important when you, you can cut a field in half like we can with him because you can put him on one side of the field and any decent scouting coach would say, hey, we got to go away from him. He's had seven picks last year, and he's already got four this year, and he, he actually had the fifth one last week, but the individuals that make the calls miss one and he had a pick six that got called back but they're humans too they miss calls but uh you know defensively he just takes things away from people uh, just by what he's done uh, and he's just a ball hawk so you know you take that mentality of the offense just like you're asking with hudson is he getting better at throwing the ball or why is he getting better i mean you put the ball up in the air for him uh he's got a good chance of coming down with it so that's got to help your your confidence, and it helps Coach Hill's confidence calling the play. And it's just a lot of things surrounding that Gabe will help you on your team. You know, last week he got a rushing touchdown from, you know, moving him around a little bit and putting him in the slot. And he had a rushing touchdown there late. So I really think that's about the only touchdown that Hudson didn't have something to do with. Last week was the one he handed off to Gabe. So pretty good stuff offensively going on for us. And 
Yeah, he's a big part to what we did on defense as well. This was the point last year where you guys slipped up and had those back-to-back losses to uh, to Marshall County and Montgomery Central, and of course, um, those same two opponents are coming up now. It, it worked out last year. You won the next seven and got to the state championship game, but what needs to be done this time around to avoid those midseason hiccups? You say hiccup, uh, may say blessing. So, I mean, you always learn a lot from losing. You know, whether it's you challenge yourself a little bit more, you work a little bit harder at practice, whatever you do. So, you know, uh, uh, playing a good program, there's nothing wrong with playing them and coming out on the losing end of it when you got it next week. I think right now what we're working on is our mentality, playing a great team and acting like it's a playoff game already where uh, I, myself, as the head coach, may have not displayed that as much last year for the Marshall County game. So I'm going to see if it was uh, just poor coaching and see if we can fix that a little bit and put a little bit more into this game. And Montgomery Central was, it was wet. They had a big bruiser back, and we lost a great football game. So, you know, if it happens to us again, it'll be all the credit to the other guys uh, on the other team and poor coaching. If we win those games, it'll be because our kids are running around making plays. So that's just how it'll be with Springfield football. And Marshall County, kind of like Springfield, seems like one of those teams that's in the thick of the 4A playoff picture every year. So I know it's not a region game and, and won't count towards you know where you guys end up seated and everything, but do you still view this as a good measuring stick? Yeah, I mean, that's why I put it on the schedule. They're on the east side. You know, after that 17 success we had going over to the state championship and having to match up with somebody you always like to have, whether it's different film from other guys or just playing different teams. So that's why me and Coach Osteen hooked up at a coaching clinic and started the conversation and you know, it's borderline too far for a Friday night, but we went with it, and uh, they're on the schedule because they're a great program, and I, I hope that's why he considered putting us on there as well because we were a great program. And, of course, your region, Region 5, 4A, had a crazy finish last year, and it's shaping up to potentially be that way again. Springfield and Creekwood are both 2-0, and and then you've got Montgomery Central, White House Heritage, Greenbrier, all in the mix. And three of those four teams are on your October schedule, and I know all, all four of your October games are region games, so... Uh, what's it going to take to be ready for that stretch run coming up next month? That's Marshall County. I mean, you put them on the schedule, they, they throw the ball a little bit more. You know, we face some run-heavy teams in Heritage and White House, you know, so that's what our region is typically known for, and we like to do that ourselves. But our personnel is taking us to doing other things this year, so it's just all about preparation, finding out something that you don't do good and trying to fix it, finding things out that you do well, and you keep trying to mix them in the game plan, and then you also take into effect, you know, it's a long season and who's got to play and developing backups and what happens when this person's in or we got to swap around. So it's just all reps and repetition and being ready for region play, which is exciting having a month of October when all your goals are still in front of you, regardless of what happens at Marshall County. We control our own destiny in the region. Should be a good month plus of football coming up here, Coach. I believe that's all I've got, unless you had anything else you'd like to add. No, I don't, buddy. Appreciate your coverage. Yes, sir. Thank you, and uh, thanks for the time today, and best of luck this week at Marshall County. All right. Appreciate it. And we're going to wrap up today's show just like we have the last couple weeks with my mid-state high school football predictions. I'm really excited because Metro Nashville football teams are finally back after missing the first five weeks of the season. Um, They aren't going to have any fans at their games for now, but at least they're getting to play, and that's so huge for all those seniors that this is really their last chance to play and and to get some film for college recruiters and things like that. So really a fun week and a lot of matchups here that could go either way. And we don't know a ton about the Metro teams yet and exactly what they have. So that could make the picks difficult too. But the last two weeks I've gone seven and three and I'm 36 and 13 overall for the year. So a little bit over 70%. And so we're going to see if we can keep that train rolling this week. 
First up is Hillsboro at Pearl Cone. That's where I'm going to be on Friday. It's a all-Metro football matchup. It's going to be on my TV 30. It's going to be a great way to celebrate the return of Metro football. Both of these teams are in the playoffs every year, it seems like, and they played a great game last year that Pearl Cone won 47-40. to Both teams have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball that a lot of college commitments are going to be on the field. Hillsborough has a senior quarterback in Jalen Macon that threw for over 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns last season, and one of his top options to throw the ball to is Adrian Huey, who is committed to Kentucky as a defensive back. Uh, on the other side, Pearl Cone also returns a dynamic starting quarterback in Martino Owens. He's coming off a gruesome leg injury that he suffered in the state championship game against Alcoa last December, so good to see him back out on the field. The Firebirds also have Kendrick Breedlove, who is committed to Ole Miss, defensive end Alex Akello, who is going to Michigan State, and offensive tackle William Parker, who just committed to Tennessee a few weeks ago. And I think all of that talent is going to give Pearl Cone the edge here, so I'm going Pearl Cone 35, Hillsborough 28. Next up is NBA at Innsworth. Two more teams that got late starts to their seasons, but they've both played two games the last couple of weeks. NBA is 2-0, and and Innsworth is 0-2. NBA got a big region win last week over Memphis University School, thanks to 236 rushing yards and a pair of touchdowns from senior Patrick Wilk. And, of course, the Big Red have a, another great quarterback in Marcel Reed. Um, they really haven't skipped a beat despite missing the th- first three weeks of the season. They're rolling right now. Uh, meanwhile, Innsworth is still kind of adapting to its new quarterback, Levi Moore, he's a sophomore, and he's shown some flashes in these first couple games, but not quite up to speed yet. He did throw for 127 yards at a touchdown and ran for another score in a close loss at Baylor last week. Now, Moore does have some weapons like tailback Charles Ingram and Ohio State commitment Andre Turrentine that could help speed up his development process, but I think that still could take a few more weeks. So um, I'm going NBA 24, Innsworth 10. Brentwood at CPA. This one really feels like a coin flip. It's the number three and four teams in the Main Street Preps top 25 poll, CPA being number three, Brentwood being number four. I mean, Brentwood managed to beat rival Ravenwood in overtime last week without their star receiver, Walker Merrill, who had tweaked an injury he previously suffered in pregame warmups. So if Brentwood can get Merrill back this week, that'd be a huge boost. Obviously, they proved they can win without him, but if he's back, then he'll team up with Cade Granzo, who's got 760 passing yards and 11 touchdowns through four games to form a really good connection of quality that CPA's defense probably hasn't seen yet. CPA's defense has been strong. They've they've allowed less than 10 points per game, but the Merrill-Granzow duo is going to be tough to stop if they're both healthy. And CPA counters with a senior quarterback also named Cade, and that's Cade Law. He's got 458 passing yards, 225 rushing yards, and 11 total touchdowns in his four games. <laughs> this one really could go either way. I split hairs trying to make the pick, but I'm going Brentwood 21, CPA 17. IMG Academy at Ravenwood. Now this one is going to be really interesting. Of course, IMG Academy is the number one team in the land, according to Max Preps. It's going to be televised by ESPNU, and there's plenty, plenty of college talent on both sides of the ball. Now Ravenwood has had a very difficult September schedule so far. They opened the month with a win at Franklin. Since then, they've suffered back-to-back losses to Pulaski Academy from Arkansas and Brentwood. Big rivalry loss in overtime last week that I had just talked about. You'd like to think they could get a breather soon, but it's not going to be this week. IMG Academy out of Florida, they've got like 15 players in the ESPN 300. That includes offensive tackle J.C. Lantham, who's going to Alabama, quarterback Jay McCarthy, who's committed to Michigan, and Ja'Cory Brooks, a receiver committed to Alabama. Don't get me wrong, Ravenwood has plenty of talent of its own, too. They're not all necessarily five-star guys like IMG Academy has, but they do have a couple of of big recruits in Jake Burningstool, 
a tight end going to Clemson, and linebacker Junior Colson, who's going to Michigan. So guys like that will get kind of their first chance in the national spotlight, on TV at least. But I think it's going to take a miracle probably for Ravenwood to pull this one off. IMG is just too talented of a team. So I'm going IMG Academy 45, Ravenwood 10. Pope John Paul II at Franklin. JP2, they hit their first stumbling block last week in a 45-21 loss to Christian Brothers. However, they lost quarterback Sawyer Watts and running back Antoine Roberts to leg injuries at some point in that game. And so they really need those two guys back to be at full strength and to kind of reach their potential. So if they're not able to go, this game probably takes a different turn. But if they can at least get them back for the upcoming region games at NBA and Memphis University School, I think that that'll be okay for the Knights. That doesn't necessarily help them this week because Franklin has all the tools to be a good team. They've got a quarterback that can throw in Connor Beaven. They've got a running back that's had some big games in Bryce Sparks. They've got a big offensive line that has a couple of Power 5 type prospects on it. And their defense showed that they can neutralize some pretty high-powered offenses. They were able to hold Destin Wade and Summit down to get a win over Summit a few weeks ago. So I think Franklin, they've played a very tough schedule. And I think it's just a matter of time before they can put it all together. And maybe this is the week that they start to do that especially if JP2 isn't fully healthy. So I'm going Franklin 28, Pope John Paul 21. Hendersonville at Independence. This is another Sumner County-Williamson County matchup. Hendersonville has had kind of a tough go. They've had also had a tough schedule. Both of their losses have been to teams that are in our top 10 of our Main Street Preps poll. That's number one Oakland and number eight Beach they both lost to. Now the commandos have to go all the way down to Thompson Station, about a 45-minute drive down I-65, to take on number 10 Independence, which has a big-time dual-threat quarterback in Jackson Campbell. He's got almost 800 passing yards, 400-plus rushing yards, and 15 total touchdowns. Campbell, like I mentioned before on this podcast, was actually a receiver and defensive back last season, but he settled in behind center, and he's got some receivers that he's really formed nice connections with, including Calvin Wilson, Ty Lockwood, and Brinkham Moracle. And the Eagles' defense has, has kept its opponents to under 10 points a game uh, ever since giving up 40 to Summit in their season opener. So I think Independence is going to pull this one out, and I'm going Indy 30, Hendersonville 17. Riverdale at Blackman. This is a Rutherford County battle here, of course. And since their opening loss to CPA, I think Riverdale's really been one of the better teams in the Mid-State. They've got a great rushing combo of Brandon Connard and Marcus Lloyd. They've actually combined a rush for 999 yards, so... The next yard they pick up, they'll hit 1,000 between the two of them. So nearly 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns in just five games. And the defense, the, the Riverdale defense, is really something to behold. They've got nine sacks, three fumble recoveries, and two interceptions. Several big prospects on that defense as well. On the other hand, the Blaze haven't had a losing season since 2007, but they're heading that way if they don't get things turned around pretty quickly here. They lost back-to-back games to Independence and Warren County, and I think they're probably going to lose to Riverdale this Friday. I'm going Riverdale 35 Blackman 14. Maplewood at East Nashville. Another Metro Nashville battle here in the return of Metro football. East Nashville has a new coach in Jamal Stewart. He's going to make his debut. He's got some seniors to lean on to make that happen this Friday. Quarterback Quanzi Jamison and running back Rontavius Gregory lead the offense. And then he's got a, a big time linebacker in Jacoby Leatherwood on defense. And that East Nashville defense was really solid a year ago. They pitched five shutouts including a 17 to nothing victory over Maplewood last August. Meanwhile, Maplewood is going to counter that defensive prowess with a senior running back themselves, David Sutherland. Sutherland has led the Panthers in rushing the last three years, so he's kind of been a model of consistency throughout his career. Look for him to have another big year this year as a senior. But that said, I'm, I'm still going East Nashville 20, Maplewood 7 in that one. 
Then we've got Springfield at Marshall County, a great 4A battle here. Both these teams have been to at least the second round of the playoffs in each of the last five seasons. So a lot of consistency from these two. And I know Coach Dustin Wilson that we just talked to was excited to get this game on the schedule. And this is the second half, like you mentioned, of a home and home that they've got. So this is a really interesting measuring stick heading into that final month of region play. And like we talked about earlier, Springfield's got Cavantes Hudson. He's put up some great stats this year and 18 total touchdowns. But Marshall County also has a quarterback in Bryson Hammonds, who's thrown for nearly 600 yards and eight touchdowns. He's been impressive. So I'm expecting a high-scoring affair here. And I'm going Springfield 40, Marshall County 35. I think the Yellow Jackets avenge last year's loss that they suffered to Marshall County. And to wrap it up, we've got Nolansville at Columbia. These teams have a common opponent. That's Spring Hill, but... They both beat Spring Hill by similar margins. Columbia opened their season by beating the Raiders 27-3, and Nolansville followed that up a couple weeks later with a 30-14 victory against Spring Hill. Nolansville has a senior quarterback in Ryder Gallardi that I got to talk to um, a couple weeks ago for a story. He just committed to Long Island, and he is averaging, uh, helping Nolansville average about 30 points per game. The Lions, their defense has kind of trended in the opposite direction. They've given up more than 30 points per game the last three weeks to Summit, Giles County, and Lincoln County. So for that reason, I'm going Nolansville 28, Columbia 14. And that'll do it for today's Main Street Preps podcast. We thank you for listening today. And be sure to go to MainStreetPreps.com for all the latest high school sports news in Middle Tennessee. And if you'd like to receive all of that news to your inbox every day, Tuesday through Saturday at least, you can sign up for our brand new email newsletter. We just need your name, your email, and your zip code. And there's a sign-up widget on the homepage and also a landing page you can check out to sign up. And it's completely free and we'll send you updates every day. So be sure to check that out. We'll see you back next week for another episode of the Main Street Preps Podcast.